Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Empire Life podcast. I'm Allison Ramsey, your host, and I'm the founder of Empire Life. And we are a tech and digital marketing company supporting female founders with everything with their online businesses. And we interview female founders from all around the world on their personal stories of how they redefine their success, how they got to where they are. They'll be sharing secrets with you and tips and strategies that you can immediately implement into your business. And today we're with Keely Stawicki. She is a certified master marketer and funnel designer for coaches of all things spiritual and taboo. She is currently living as a digital nomad in Zawahio. How do I say that right? Zawahio. Zawahio. <laughs> After I wanted to try after a, after a major pivot away from having a brick and mortar vintage consignment store, she is a marketing nerd, loves to travel, ride horses, and go out salsa dancing. And I'll hand it over to Keely a little bit more to introduce herself. Yeah, thanks, Allison. I'm so glad we were able to finally get this scheduled after a crazy couple of weeks there in Texas. Um, but yeah, hey guys, my name is Keely Stoicki and I am the founder of Rebel Funnels, which is actually my fourth business now. Amazing. Yeah, this is my third tech company and then confusing and digital marketing. So I definitely right. relate to that journey and, and how <clears throat> we learn so much as we pivot from different companies and okay, like, you know, another podcast, I was talking about how this one, I brought on mentorship within a few months of launching Empire Life, as opposed to not ever doing it in some of my other <laughs> companies. So we'll go more into that. And I want to start off by diving into us learning a little bit more about you and some of the challenges that you've been through, if you wanted to pick, you know, I don't know, even one to three different ones and, and then talk about how they benefited you and made you, I guess, more self-aware, are stronger and how you defined your success. Yeah, so I, the road to of entrepreneurship is full of so many challenges like when when you get started you're like oh it's just like the straight line and I'll just like work my way towards getting what I want and then you realize that it's not as easy as you think um and I, my biggest challenge through business has always been my choice in relationships um mixed with my lack of knowledge around finances and business finances I really feel like the school system fails us when it comes to actually teaching us how to manage money in a way that like makes sense to us. Um, because in a combination of being a bad relationship for five years with somebody who was addicted to taking on debt, we had a sawmilling business and he just kept taking on more and more debt um, as we bought more and more machines because he wanted the status of having the machines and all that kind of like um, the ego, he always was trying to stroke his ego through buying more machines and looking cooler. And then with that came, you know, these massive payments on these brand new machines. So I just, it's like eight months ago, I was facing bankruptcy from a combination of a lot of things. And um, that really, you know, that hits hard and it makes you have to pivot and figure out what you're, how you're gonna move forward. So I would say that like, you have to be really careful who it is that you're allowing into your circle and the influence that they have over your decisions as a business owner. And then really, 
you know, in our culture, we even have a lot of like negative, you know, thoughts around money and managing it. And so when you get into business, trying to create a healthy mindset around money and a healthy relationship with money is really, really vital to success moving forward. And we want to dig our, you know, put our head in the sand and be like, oh, I, I just hire someone else. I have a, a bookkeeper. I have this, I have that. But really, you have to be able to, to know how to do it yourself and feel confident with your money. Otherwise, in the long run, you're going to continue to struggle in that area. And then you'll fail to have success in your businesses. But in, in that, in saying that, you know, if someone was like, hey, Keely, could you go back? If you could go back, would you do anything differently? And I would say no, because it's still been this incredible, amazing journey. And it, when I look back, I can see how each one of the relationships, each one of the mistakes, each one of the challenges just made me stronger. And it actually makes your story so much more interesting than someone who had it easy. <laughs> I, I second that. <laughs> yeah. Because then, then you could be the old person in the room and be like, you don't want to do that because I did that back in 1974 and it was exaggerating, right? But, you know, it'd be like in the future. But yeah, being able to have overcome the challenges, it, it only makes you be able to deal with bigger and bigger challenges as you go along and grow. For sure. And you know, some of my clients have reflected back to me, even though some of them are you know, 10 to 20 years older than me, they're like, wow. You're so wise. It seems like you've been through a lot. I'm like, yes, it's a lot. <laughs> it was, yeah. <laughs> I feel like I've been through more than people who are in their 80s at this point. <laughs> yeah. But all, all of those those lessons, those experiences, like you said, we can draw on those. And someone was telling me recently, uh, another client was telling me she wants to turn her pain into wisdom. And I liked how she said that. Because a lot of our yeah. businesses are based on what we went through and we can turn around and we can give, we can be of service and of support to our clients and give the, that wisdom. And that's really invaluable. Yeah. yeah. I remember another entrepreneur said that your mess will be your message. And as I was going through my messes, my many messes in the last two years, especially um, I kept telling myself that, and I was like, you know, this mess that I'm in will be something great that I can help other people through later. And it, it's motivation to just keep going, even when you just want to like stay in bed all day and binge watch your favorite TV show and eat a thing of brownies. That was always my thing. I'd make brownies and I'd eat the whole thing in a matter of a day or so. <laughs> while watching your favorite show? Yes, while watching my favorite show. Yeah, I, I had a good friend at one point and she was having her own business and she said she would go to the movie theater in the day and watch movies most of the day. And I was like, how are you going to scale your business, honey? Like, come on, what's going on with you? <laughs> but I get it because there's a, there's a lot of mindset work, a hard mm -hmm. and mindset work that goes into all those different phases of the business. And then there's something that needs to be done or learned, whether the hard way or not the hard way or however we need to learn it to then be able to um, see the light at the end of the tunnel or kind of go through. We can't go around it. We must go through it. <laughs> yeah. And part of that is just like the self-care. And I read this book and it was, it's called Thank and Grow Rich. It's like a 
like just like think and grow rich, but thank and grow rich. And it's all about gratitude and how it, it it's the secret to being happy in life. And in that book, she talks, her whole method is just doing exactly what you feel like doing all the time. And before my pivot um, back in September of 2020, I was always doing everything I thought I was supposed to be doing, the, the logical side of the brain, where it's just like, okay, these are the things I'm supposed to be doing. And, and that kind of thinking was keeping me stuck in things that weren't allowing me to scale, weren't allowing me to grow, weren't allowing me to get where I want to go. And it wasn't until I started being like, no, I'm going to do whatever I want to do when I want to do it. And as somebody, I mean, that may not work for all personality types. I'm my strengths finder test shows I'm an achiever, first of all, as a personality type, and I can see it looking back at everything I've ever done. So I have to be achieving things to be happy anyway. But I was, I've was i been able to find a lot more alignment and balance in my life through following that in my intuition instead of the logical side of my brain that would keep me stuck in bad relationships because it was safe, keep me back stuck in bad businesses because it was what I had been working towards for so long. And so um, I've been following the wisdom of that book, especially since moving to Mexico. And I found a success to come a lot easier than I ever thought it was going to be by doing just that, whatever I wanted to do. Hmm. That's incredible. I, I feel for me, or well, I was going to ask you like on the Enneagram, are you a type three? Is that I'm an eight. Oh, you're an eight. Okay. I'm an, I'm eight, an eight too. An eight and a three, like eight was the strongest one. And then the three is the achiever, right? Yeah. That's why it reminded mm -hmm. me because you, you yeah. use that word. I was like, oh, I wonder if she's a three. <laughs> Yeah, no, I'm an eight, three, seven. Okay. A seven's enthusiast, which actually my roommate is definitely a seven. She's the enthusiast, but I'm stronger in eight. Okay. You have a wing of seven? Yeah. Yeah. I think, I, I think that's the one I am too. And, but I feel like I'm always going, I'm kind of going towards the nine wing these days. Mm -hmm. I've read that you kind of go towards the other wing as you get older sometimes interesting we're like more well rounded out you know because the wings will like round us out that's really I like to go towards the seven because i find myself to be like more like the mellow one and i'd like to find myself getting more excited about things that would be okay nice. <laughs> so you maybe you're an eight wing nine and you're going towards the eight wing seven sounds like that's mm -hmm. it and Mexico, there's a lot of excitement all the time, right? Or maybe yeah, more so than here. So it sounds like it's a good Oh, for fit. sure. <laughs> yeah, for sure. There's always like, there's so many people outside all the time. Like every podcast episode I do, there's like the ice cream horn, there's car horns, there's dogs barking. Like you can't find a quiet place in, in town unless you go out to the country. <laughs> That's good. There's a lot going on and movement. Yeah. Even there's with COVID, it's community. Like, yeah, the bars reopened yesterday, so it's kind of like oh, okay. COVID doesn't exist as much here as it does in the states. That's fascinating. Yeah. Wow. And and then here it's like a variation depending on the state. Yeah, being from so, Oregon, in Oregon it's like you can't do anything, and people are super paranoid and all the things, and um, so it's that was partly why I wanted to come here because I felt like people were a little bit more real about stuff. Oh, yeah. And well, being in based in Texas, um, it's probably a combination of both of those. It really depends. But I would say people are more leaning towards what they're doing in Mexico 
of like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm only going to wear a mask if I have to, if I'm mandated yeah. to do it. Otherwise, nobody's wearing a mask outside. Yeah. <laughs> like, if you go for a walk, I mean, it's kind of more, I guess, rebellious in a way. I'm not going to let anybody tell me what to do, kind of the overall arching theme of Texas and our ancestors. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, we're doing our own thing over here. No one's yeah. going to tell us what to do. So there's good well, and bad. Florida- yeah, in Florida, you can have 1,500 people at an event. Oh, wow. So they're the real rebellious ones over there. Yeah, they are. They're definitely embodying a lot of that, too. Like, yeah. Don't tell us what to do. <laughs> and um, I wanted to go more into detail, too, about, well, it sounds like you learned a lot through pivoting with your bankruptcy. And, and we talked about that on your podcast, which was an amazing mm-hmm. conversation. And my experiences on that, too. If you guys want to tune into that, we went really deep in Keely's podcast. And I wanted to dive deeper into what you feel when, or maybe you did have some resistance. It sounds like you did have a lot of resistance in those pivoting moments. So like, what, what have you learned from that? And okay, I'm feeling resistance right now. And I'm going to do these, maybe these next three steps on overcoming this or letting it go or moving through it. Can you kind of guide us on your thought process on that? Yeah, I have really good insight into this. So I have two major pivots that came in the last decade and I'm 30 now. So it, like I, have, <laughs> I haven't lived that much life, but I've lived a lot of life. Um, my first pivot was at 27 years old. And that's when I left my fiance and gave up the sawmilling business. I just left it to him and the the resistance I had to this decision because with with the narcissistic personality mixed with the dad addiction it was it was just like I was so deeply unhappy but I didn't know why I was unhappy I had everything I ever thought that like I'd grown up thinking I wanted I had a farm had a successful business I had a guy that was very very talented we had a lot of money coming in despite having, we had a lot of debt too. We had a lot of money that was coming in. I had dogs, I had really nice things, but I didn't have a lot of freedom. Um, you know, I want to go to my mom's house and I would get a lot of, you know, he would make me feel guilty for that. He was always trying to separate me from my friends. He, anytime I'd want to go do something that was you know, spontaneous or against what I normally did, he'd always be like, well, you're not that kind of girl. And so I just, lost myself. I didn't know who I actually was anymore. And I wanted to do all these other big things, but I was constantly being told no by my partner. And I was just, I was just so deeply unhappy. I went on a, I had started my, to kind of create some independence. I had started my own business, um, Bend in the Road Vintage Consignment. And I had bought the real estate in a partnership with my mom. And we started developing this property and this business. So I was starting to get some independence away from him in a kind of some strategic moves, but I was stuck because of past programming is what I like to call it. And it was the idea that this was what God or the universe had given me. And I was being ungrateful for it by being deeply unhappy. But at the same time, I was in an abusive relationship, but I, I didn't know it because I like I'd always experienced something very similar growing up with my mom. And it took me going to a counselor to get different perspective. And 
one of the stories I told my counselor where he finally said, Keely, this is not normal, is when I had gone on that trip to Vegas and my fiance at the time, he sent me a message. He said, hey, there's bugs in the bed. And it, we, we were living in this rustic cabin because we spent all of our money on the equipment where our house, which was actually temporary housing because we were building a nicer house for his his parents who actually own the property and then we were going to later build a house for ourselves but because again being in so much debt with equipment we were living in the shack <laughs> mm-hmm. and so it was unfinished and always the promises of oh when you get back i'll finish it when when this we'll, we'll do this when this so it wasn't a surprise that he said there were bugs in the bed and i was like whatever i just got to vegas where my bed is white and fluffy like um you you deal with that. And so the next day he sent me a picture of it and it was a maggot. And I was like, oh, I don't no. know how maggot got in the bed, but I'm sure it came on your feet because they always smell terrible, like just wash the sheets and whatever. So I was in Vegas for four days with my mom. And when I came home, I was tired and you know happy to be back, but you know, I just left paradise and I'm back in my little shack. And <laughs> I lift up the sheets and in all the little holes of the mattress, because he had just put a flat sheet over it where the maggots all dried up and they were all over the floor and they're all over everything. And what had happened was up in the attic, a squirrel, a cat's head drug a dead squirrel in and it had rotted out in the May sun because it was warm that in for that week of May. And it started that, you know, the, it was rotting. So the, yeah, there were maggots everywhere. And I was just like, having to clean it up because I just got back. And I, when I told my counter the story, he was like, Keely, this is not normal. Like, this is not okay. And I was like, what? But it's normal. Like, this is my life. Cause I've been so separated from everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was all the programming. And he, you know, I told him, I said, well, I need to be grateful for this. Like I at least have somewhere to live. I at least have this business. I at least was able to go on that trip. Like he let me go on the trip. Um, and he said, well, but you have to realize that when you if you choose to leave this relationship, you get to choose what's next. Because I was so terrified that the next thing that came along for me was going to be worse than what I was already in. Because I had so much, right? I was like, oh, I have this amazing guy. I have this amazing property. I have all this amazing stuff. But, you know, the, the next thing won't be as good. I'll lose my status. And he said, no, Keely, you get to decide what's next. And that was something I never had been taught. I always thought that, you know, God or the universe like sent us the next thing. And it was based on like our own worth. <laughs> oh, and then wow. the next of it that was a challenge was shutting down my my business and selling everything off because people kept telling me, oh, just hold on two more years. Like then you'll be able to sell the business because it'll be profitable enough. And again, it was the programming. That was something they taught us in business school. Like you just make it to the five-year mark and everything's good. Um, But I was so stressed and so unhappy that even during quarantine, I started having all these health issues um, related to the stress. And I was like, when is this actually going to end? Like how much life, more life do I have to live under this kind of stress before I get to go where I want to go, before I get to do what I actually want to do and really share the deeper talents that I have? Or do I have to stay stuck here because you guys are all telling me, just hold on a little longer. It's going to get better. Well, when is it going to get better? I heard this in my first, before my first pivot away from my relationship where it's like he was like oh it's gonna get better when why don't they make it better right now <laughs> mm-hmm. or or him telling you I'm gonna do a better house where things are gonna get better or I'm gonna yeah get yeah I was always that. like oh yeah 
oh, oh, on the weekend, I'll, I'll put in some, I'll put in real cabinets so, you know, we can actually clean things or it was always like, yeah, when, when I get around to that, it'd be better. And then that thing would actually come, but then there'd always be something more. There's always another problem. There's always something more you want. <laughs> it's Mexico. It's <laughs> <That's> nice. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I made the decision and I continue to make the decision that I want to be happy now. And I want to follow the happiness because when you set that intention and you make those plans, then things can fall into place. Mm, I completely agree. And something to add on to what you're saying, one of my spiritual mentors was telling me when something does come up that we're like, wow, why did we attract that? Or I can't believe the universe brought me that instead of mm -hmm. thinking why me and this always happens to me or going down that rabbit hole. So thinking in the terms of, okay, thank you. Like you said, thank, thank, yeah. Rich. like, thank you for giving me that experience. Now I know what I don't want. That's yeah. the contrast. That's the contrast. Mm -hmm. And I'm so grateful to understand the contrast. And yeah. then now that helps me to understand my true desires and why that didn't match, why that wasn't an alignment. And I can be faster next time to say, no, you know, that, no, thank you. I'm good. I don't think I already I'm had that. I already <laughs> had that. I know that's a contrast. I appreciate you sharing that with me. Going to move away from that because we already know how that past feels. Mm -hmm. And then, like you said, getting to choose. So if you are listening to this and you're in a, you're like, ah, I, I don't know why in the world the universe brought X, Y, Z to me. I understand that might be your contrast and you still have a right. You still have the choice to choose. Am I going to go down this path or continue down this path? And what does it look like to maybe veer off of it a little bit and more to something that you want that's, a, that's different than the contrast? Yeah. It was an amazing thing because, you know, when I went through counseling um, and, and discovered, I discovered the cycle that I was stuck in and it was something related to, uh, you know, preconditioning that I had growing up with my mom and what I'd seen and what I experienced with her. And that I remember the day when I was sitting in the truck with her and I heard her say something and I was like, oh my gosh, I've been saying that too. And I didn't even realize I'd been saying the same thing. And the phrase was, uh, men are stupid. <laughs> wow. And so, yeah, so she, cause my mom always struggled with relationships. And after the divorce with my dad, she went through two more marriages and then lots and lots of boyfriends. And so this was something she's like, oh, men are just stupid. Yeah, men are this. And I was like, oh my gosh, like what a negative mindset to have moving forward. Like how would I ever find somebody when I continue to just think men are stupid, men are stupid, because we'll find things within people that, that justify that for us. And so I was like, no, I don't think they're just stupid. I think it's, you know, and I, I changed it. And, and from that point forward, I was able to grow and expand and have better and better relationships as I move on. And, but it's always a choice because you could always settle into something and be like, oh, this is good enough um, because it's scary to pivot and, and move forward. I completely agree. Um, I, I feel like there's a lot of men who are incredibly smart, or that's a personal belief that I have. And I was on a conversation not too long ago with a guy that I thought maybe I was going to go on a date with. And it only took one conversation for me to realize, yeah, no, not in alignment. He said, yeah. 
Yeah, well, women aren't emotional creatures and all women are really emotional. And I was like, I'm, I'm gonna need to stop you right there because yeah. uh, I feel like there's, a, first of all, there's nothing wrong with expressing our emotions. And from my experience, we can all be, we can all be classified as emotional. Men might express their emotions in a different way because of testosterone, you know, self-identifying men, they, they may, it may come across as maybe anger or frustration sometimes. And that's a generalization too, depends on the person with it. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's okay in a container with holding space for the other person to express ourselves emotionally. And I personally would like to be with someone who expresses themselves emotionally in a healthy way. And they want me to do that. And we both hold space for each other. So his belief in that, or what I would like to call a limiting belief, impulsive, mm-hmm. it was like, oh, that was like, I needed to put space because I realized, yeah. oh, that's a belief he has. I'm not going to try to change it. And it's okay that he believes that, but that doesn't match with me. So then knowing moving forward, every time I express myself, which I do a lot mm-hmm. in a healthy yeah. way, he's going to say, oh, there, I mean, women are just kind of sensitive and there you go being emotional when he, and then he may push down his feelings because he doesn't want to be seen like that. These kind of, and I already can foresee that (laughs) in the future. So these kind of limiting beliefs that we, like you said, catching ourselves and different phrases that we may say, and they have like almost like a ripple effect of how they affect our life and the people around us and I, f- I have a teenager who's extremely hyper aware of w- words that we use and she'll keep me accountable a lot of times of saying are you sure that's true though oh nice like a generalization because there's there's no way there's no way that any of us are perfect at that yeah. and we, yeah we, so definitely helps to also if you have a coach or someone that will hold you accountable. Can we, can we maybe rephrase that? <laughs> yeah. You're not saying the other, the other person's wrong. It's, it's good to sometimes learn to rephrase or catch ourselves. And our money is a good one. I talk about in my book coming out called Redefine, my chapters on money mindset. And there's a lot of rephrasing that I needed to learn growing up related to money like one of them was in my family of origin and also in my environment, I would hear things growing up said like, oh, that person who's wealthy, somebody must have given that to them. Yeah. Now, or what a brat. I, they probably didn't even work for that. Yeah. Or I can't, uh, someone needs to take it from them. I think that was the worst. They don't, they don't deserve that. I mean, who do they think they are? Someone should just go and rob them. Someone should just go take that. Oh my gosh. It's like, no, 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 no. That, that's so for me, understanding that's the contrast of mm-hmm. what I actually believe. And it was creating a lot of resistance growing up, but, but I didn't know why. I was like, huh, well, these people are telling me this. Is that true? I don't agree with it somewhere fundamentally. I just don't, I don't resonate with it, but I don't know what I actually believe. I don't know how to rephrase it. So what do I say? So I started, you know, extremely reading all every book I could about finance and then going through my own personal financial journey and 
learning lessons. And now when I see something that I really like, I give a lot of gratitude, like, wow, that must feel really good to ride in that car. That must feel really fast when they're driving it. And they, yeah, I, I like that sound. Like that's, that's a real turn on like when sports cars sounds, you know, and they must, mm-hmm. really, they get to hear that all the time. That must feel really great for them. Wow. Yeah. I wonder what their strategies are. I wonder what they did to bring in that kind of money to feel comfortable to buy a little kind of luxury item. Did yeah. they pay for that in cash or how do they feel so comfortable to pay for that car payment or pay a down payment? Well, I started getting fascinated and curious about their strategies and how they got there and giving them a lot of gratitude, which then in turn, when I'm around people who have come to some of those levels or a different level, maybe than I'm at, they can feel that, you know, they don't feel any kind of resentment or, oh my gosh, or looking down on them or looking up at them or idolizing them. There's none of that. It's just like, wow, I'm curious to see your strategies, right? Yeah. And then from that mind frame or that mindset, you can, you know, start figuring out how you can obtain that thing too. And you knowing that if it's possible for them, it's possible for you. But a lot of people, when they just start with like, oh, well, good for them, it comes from a place like jealousy. And then they're not willing to do what it takes to get it for themselves. It's a way of keeping themselves small. Mm-hmm. Too, because I they're afraid. Mm-hmm. This definitely comes from fear saying somebody must've given that to them. Mm-hmm. Oh, it, it must've come easy for them. It, it, then you're right. It kind of keeps us stuck. Yeah. And we don't need to do the hard things or we don't need to analyze or, or think or, or do the mindset things to get to where they are. I completely agree. And I was, so, uh, what is the next one? I wanted to talk about how you handle negativity, like the haters and the people, especially with being a digital nomad and selling everything. I'm sure you heard a lot of mixed feedback. Yeah, um, <laughs> to go with the mindset stuff, Oh, and that's the trash truck. It's thing. Oh, I could barely hear that one. Yeah, I think it's coming closer. It's interesting, but oh, that's yeah. the ice cream one. No, this is the trash truck. Oh, oh, okay. It it's things. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so go along with the mindset. When I told my mom and I'm like, I'm gonna close the store and sell everything off, she was like, Well, you can't do that. And I was like, Why not? She's like, well, What about me? I was like, what about you? You have plenty of other revenues, you know, ways you can go make money. You don't need to rely solely on the store and me. And it took her a long time to come around to, um, but I was so set on, I was like, you know what? I have taken on so much responsibility. And I was like, if you want to keep it going, you can run it too. Um, But she didn't want to do that. And so as I was closing, a lot of people were like, well, what are you going to do now? Are you going to go get a job? Like, where are you going to live? All this stuff. And I was like, I'm going to Mexico. And they're like, you can't do that. I'm like, well, why not? They're like, because you're going to get abducted or because you're going to, you know, like eat something bad and die or like all these things. <laughs> do you know tourists are, or the mafia is chopping off the fingers of tourists? And I'm like, yeah, that was like 10 years ago. Or my favorite was like the lecture about don't drink the water. And it's like, you haven't even been to Mexico. And so there's all of these like, uh, um, limiting beliefs around like 
can't, you can't do that. That sounds scary. Um, but yeah, handling negativity, it was just like, I knew what I wanted and I was willing to do whatever was necessary to take that step towards that. And as far as the haters online, I actually don't get a tremendous amount of them just yet. You know, my, I can't, my business is still um, on the smaller level compared to some of the bigger influencers, but to me, it's still a success even being that size. Um, when I had my last podcast, I called it the resale revolution. It, I was trying to scale my vintage consignment store because I was a small town. I was hitting income ceiling. And this is kind of how I got on the path of being a digital nomad and being a digital marketer was um, I started a course on how to resell vintage. And so I, to go with that, I had a podcast and um, I, every now and then, especially as my business, my brick and mortar started to fall apart through the winters, I could tell I got a little more negative. And so I'd get reviews where people were like, oh, Keely just complains all the time, all this, all that. But to me, I was sharing like the real life of what it was like to have a brick and mortar. Like it's not always positivity. Sometimes you get customers that are complete pain in the butt. Sometimes you get stuff stolen, like this and that. Um, and, and when that happens, um, I would pout about it for like five minutes and be like, you know what? Thank you for being my first hater because now I am popular enough to have my first hater. It's <laughs> so true. <laughs> so Boy, we're it, doing it was something all, right. Yeah. So that was kind of how I, I reframed it was, I was like, you know, thank you. That means I've gotten popular enough that I can have my first hater. And ever since then, I just have created, created so much certainty around what I wanted to do and why I was doing it and how I was helping people that it was like the unapologetically you, you know, like that now I didn't care at all what anyone else thought. Mm -hmm. um, and having lived in other countries, I do feel like it gives us a thicker skin um, because some things, there's always something to learn and things don't always go our way. We're out of our comfort zone. Mm -hmm. And that in turn supports us in being more authentically ourselves because we're like no matter what happens, I know I'm going to be okay. I know I got this. I've seen worse. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be all right. <laughs> yeah. Mexico is definitely different. Um, one of our trips out of town to another beach, there was like a big blood spot in the road. And on the side of the road was a bloated horse that had been hit by a truck and they just left it there. And I was like, only in Mexico, like in the States, they would have had that stuff covered with a blanket and it would be gone within minutes. You know, they just left it. <laughs> Wow. It was pretty gross, huh? I grew up on a farm, so oh, I'd oh, seen that okay. before, but I was just shocked that it was still there. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You just, you're just like, oh, well, at least I didn't get hit by a truck like that horse, you know? Just... <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. I, I remember one time when I was in, I was going to a different beach in Thailand and the trip said like five hours, I think. For, for a group of us. The guy who was driving the bus decided that he was going to deliver things along the way that his friends and family had given him, like little packages and letters. 
he probably did 50 stops along the way and then had a short conversation with people. So it took 12 to 20 hours instead of five. And of course it's like, I mean, why, why are we going to get upset about that? Is there yeah. really anything we can do? And then what's going to happen if we do say something, is he going to change his ways that to him, that's normal. He just, yeah. people gave me this stuff. I just do it. They know I'm going this way. I'm just going to be helpful. And these tourists will get there safely and uh, <laughs> it was part of the experience did, yeah, you get a, did you get to get off the bus and like see what was going on or anything yeah and some of those times when he stopped with we none of us were told <clears throat> oh I'm gonna he was like I go give package I'll be back <laughs> it's like it's like no nobody knows what's really going on and then yeah those kind of experiences gave me a taste of I, I should probably, I probably need to be a little less impatient. Yeah. Things don't always have to go my way or be, being from the U S I think we tend our Europeans too, that we're on the bus. We tend to get impatient really fast and who can we talk to about this and yeah. hotel management and, but to realize some in some situations there is no management. And even if you told them nothing's going to change because this is part of the culture. Yeah. So it's a and learning lesson for us to, have more understanding, compassion, be more present in the moment and, and let things be able to let things go. Yeah. That's how it is here too. It's always like the Mexico minute is more like an hour, <laughs> but things still get done somehow. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Things still happen and progress is made. It might be in a different way or different system, but it's an, it's amazing how things still move along and get done. Yeah. Yeah. And I wanted, as we wrap it up, Keely, if you knew what you know now, or if somebody's listened to this and they're no matter what phase they're in, that they could benefit from some of the key takeaways, like one to three key takeaways that you wish you knew at this level of business that they could really, they could implement even today in their business? Um, I think the first one is that, you know, you get to decide what things look like and really be leery of, of you know, taking on other people's fears as your own because, you know, when I, every step of the way, everything I ever did, I heard people that are like, you know, you can't do that. You can't do that. You can't do that. And it wasn't that they were saying I couldn't do it. They were saying they couldn't do it. And, you know, we can do anything that we want if we want it bad enough. And, you know, I always hear people say, oh, well, I could do that, but, or, you know, they start complaining, they don't have something that they want. And it's like, well, the reason you don't have it is because you don't want it bad enough. We live in the digital age where you can go on the internet and, learn anything about anything like you can learn how to do anything so if you wanted to have it you could have it with just some effort but it's always the oh well yeah it just sounds like a lot of work um so that'd be the first one like just be really leery of when you want to do something if someone's saying like that's not possible it's more just it's not possible for them because they aren't really wanting that um the next thing is really to you know develop the skills around what it is that you're doing and you want to do. And that involves the money management that involves always 
working towards growing yourself and pushing yourself outside of your comfort zone. And also just always working towards in nerding out on your trade. And I think that's the biggest gift that we're given is that little flame within us that we get excited about our thing. And for me, when, you know, my journey to becoming a funnel builder or marketer really it wasn't a direct path. It was all the little things that I did along the way that led up to having the skills to, to do what I'm doing now. Um, the third thing is definitely don't be afraid to pivot or let go of things because you know a lot of times we get into something and people always want to try to make it permanent because people don't like change. And so you know, every, I, I did multi-level marketing. I sold Cutco knives, like Arbon, Alola Rose, like all of them. And then I started the sawmilling business and, you know, I, I sold horses and tack when I was in high school, like always been an entrepreneur, but none of those things were meant to be permanent because I was always seeking that level 10 opportunity. And um, sometimes when we hit income ceilings within, or even, you know, we get bored within something it's because, you know, we haven't arrived, you know, it's time to pivot to the next thing. And that's kind of what it, it looked like for me was I was always hitting like an income ceiling or starting to get bored with something. It just meant it was time to start moving towards that level 10 opportunity. And I feel like with Rebel Funnels, I finally have arrived there because there's really no ceiling except for my own ability to, to grow myself. And there's always something to learn, I'm sure. Oh. Always something to learn. Always another team member that you can bring on. Always, you know, another program that you can launch. Um, it's just, you know, you're really impressive in the fact that you've built, you know, quite the team to support you in all the things that you're doing. So props to you for that because that's where I'm at is starting to like hire and ask for help and not do all the things. Uh, so that way I can leverage my time a little bit more. And then the, well, they'll, the SOPs, so the standard, what is it, operating procedures are another interesting <laughs> development. And I see them like a living document. So it was when I bring on a new hire, I was telling somebody this earlier, telling a client, it's like, that's like a living document and you can always edit, mm -hmm. ask for feedback, or they'll give it to you if something doesn't make sense, because that's a whole nother process of getting your thoughts and elaborately in an efficient way communicating those to someone else it even if it feels deep and daunting to do that process it it's worth the time and energy that you're putting into it yeah and, you yeah, and replicating and yeah and processes are so important and if you're not a person like for me I always tell this story and people are like oh, I don't understand well like there's the people that stacked firewood a certain way. So when, when I was doing um, firewood sales, which was a byproduct of having the sawmill there, we would hire help. And for me, I always went systematically, you know, one way and worked my way in. So the stack looked nice and neat as I started to stack firewood from the pile when they dumped it out of the truck. And then we'd hire help and they would be climbing on top of the pile, throwing pieces down, grabbing a piece here or there. There's like no system and strategy to how they pulled from the pile and started stacking. And it made me realize that there's two types of people. There's those that go left and right and systematically pull the fire from the pile. And there's those that are climbing on top of the pile and being inefficient. So, well, if, if they, those same people though, I feel like if they had the structure, 
Like, mm-hmm. I'm sure that you gave it to them. I'm not like, not saying that if they, if you are bringing someone on and you say, this is, this is exactly what you have to focus on. This is exactly where you go. Like, I, I think it's hard for us to realize how many details someone needs. Mm-hmm. And then they get, once they get better at it, they do need less details. And then they could train someone else to do what they're doing because they know it so well. But at the beginning, they're going to have a lot of questions and need a lot of guidance and structure. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> to do well. And if, yeah. And if you have somebody who knows more, then, you know, it, it may be easier up front, but then, you know, you'll, you'll end up paying them a little bit more or they're the kind that want to go start their own business. So I definitely think it's easier to get the processes in place. So then you can hire someone that's a little bit more new and you can, you know, develop them into really what you would need them to be for your business as you grow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. Definitely. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Keely, for being here. Yeah, of um, course. Uh, people and can find you on Rebel Funnels. Is it rebelfunnels.com? Yes. So um, that's where you can go to book a session with me is rebelfunnels.com, but you'll mostly find me on Facebook at Rebel Funnels or face or on Instagram at Rebel Funnels. And then, uh, like you mentioned earlier, I also have a podcast that you can find on um, Apple Podcasts as well as Google Podcasts, all, all of those. Um, it's called the Get Online and Get Busy Podcast. And I document my journey from starting Rebel Funnels and, and growing it and all the lessons in that, as well as my adventures in Mexico, which I call Lessons from Mexico. So I'll um, kind of share all of my quirky stories about what it's like to live as a digital nomad. Perfect. Thank you so much for being here. Yeah, of course. Thanks so much. <laughs>